You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to bridgesnashville.com. In his book, Ruthless Trust, Brennan Manning shares the story of John Cavanaugh, who traveled to Calcutta to meet Mother Teresa and work at the House of the Dying. You see, he was on a journey to know how to best spend the remaining days of his life. When he met Mother Teresa, he asked her, would you pray for me? Mother Teresa responded, what do you want me to pray for? He answered with a response that he had thought of and carried with him for thousands of miles during his journey. Clarity. Would you pray that I have clarity? No, Mother Teresa responded, I will not do that. When he asked her why, she said, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go of. When Kavanaugh said that she always seemed to have clarity, the very kind of clarity that he was looking for, Mother Teresa looked back at him. She laughed and said, I've never had clarity. What I've always had is trust. So I'll pray that you trust God. Psalm 37, 5. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him and He will help you. Psalm 37, written by David, is jam-packed with gold. It's one of my favorites. In this same chapter, we have several famous passages like verse 4 that says, Delight in the Lord and He will grant you the desires of your heart. And then there's Psalm 37, 23 that says, The footsteps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. You see, this is a psalm that's all about trust. When we trust in God, He will help us. Can I be honest? Help me, God, is one of my most frequent prayers. Every day I ask for His help and guidance. What He asks of me is trust. You know, last week at the Listening Room Cafe, we kicked off this new series called Trust during our first Sunday gathering. And today we're going to continue with a message I call Inputs and Outcomes. And in our house churches this week, we're going to be diving deeper in discipleship. So listen, if you're in the Nashville area, you definitely want to get in to a house church. It's the best way that we do discipleship and community here at Bridges Nashville. Click on the link on the screen here and find one near you. And then next week on September 19th, we're going to come together once again for our three-year anniversary at the Listening Room Cafe. Listen, we're going to worship. We're going to have baptisms. We're going to share some testimony and story. Then after service, we're going to hang out with some good food. And I really hope you plan to join us 10 a.m. next Sunday, September 19th at the Listening Room. Trust the process. That's a phrase that's found its way all throughout pop culture on t-shirts, magazine articles. It's been all over ESPN. It's really big in the sports world. In fact, that mantra was coined by the uh, former general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers, Sam Hinkie, when he took over the NBA team that hasn't won a championship since 1983. Trusting the process was his method of rebuilding the team from the ground up and giving up short-term success for long-term gain. It wouldn't happen overnight, and it wouldn't happen in a single season. But with time, Hinky promised fans that they would once again enjoy seeing their team return to being a basketball powerhouse. Now, apparently it took a little bit too much time because Hinky is no longer the general manager of the 76ers, but I digress. Uh, building an NBA team is one thing. Building a life of faith in the Lord is a whole different ballgame, and it takes trust. Now, God has this process weaved all throughout the Bible, trust and obey. In our lives, 
We control the inputs. We have to trust God with the outcomes. This is why I love the serenity prayer so much. Maybe you've heard of it. The original was written by Reinhold Niebuhr. And it says this, Father, give us courage to change what must be altered, serenity to accept what cannot be helped, and the insight to know the one from the other. So you've got to know what you can do and do it. And then know what only God can do and trust Him with it. It's inputs and outcomes. Or in the words of St. Augustine, uh, work as though everything depended on you. Pray as though everything depended on God. At National Community Church, we'd often say, work like it depends on you, pray like it depends on God. Trust and obey. I'm currently trying to get back in shape, like you maybe. Some of us, we've put on 20 pounds during 2020, right? Now, if I leave all of my getting back into shape to hope and prayer, I'm not sure God is gonna honor that mentality. No, because it takes a little bit of effort on my part. What am I willing to do to get back in shape? Side note, the root word for passion is connected to the idea of suffering. What are you willing to suffer for? People who are passionate about music and songwriting are willing to put in the time and practice and dedication. People who are passionate about exercise, they spend a lot of time in the gym and sacrifice to get in shape, right? No pain, no gain. The inputs in life are the things that we can do. You know, last week's message was based out of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And the inputs there are trusting in the Lord with all of our heart, leaning not on our own understanding, and submitting to Him in all of our ways. That's what we can do, right? God's outcome is the promise that He's going to direct our paths. Trust what He says and obey what He says and watch what He does. I talked about... Moses last week, and today I want to zoom in on another Old Testament hero, another story, Abraham. He's known as the father of faith, and he receives an incredible promise in Genesis from the Lord. In fact, it was impossible by human standards. He and his wife, Sarah, uh, they are well into senior citizen status. They have no kids, which means they have no one to take on their legacy. But in Genesis 15, God makes them a promise that he would make their descendants as numerous as the stars. Now, we don't know exactly how much time passed by in between chapters, but in the very next one, Sarah and Abraham take matters into their own hands and they devise a plan to have a child through their servant girl, Hagar. Now, as you can imagine, that created some pretty awkward tension in their household. It created some major problems that they would forever be dealing with. You see, they bent God's word to their will. And when you get out of His will, we end up acting in our own wisdom, our own understanding. We usually end up taking a shortcut that leads to a longer route. You know, a pastor once told me, you can never speed up God's timing. You can always slow it down. And when we take things into our own hands, it takes God's hands off of the situation. So Ishmael is born. 14 years later, we have Genesis 17. And Abraham is 99 years old right here. And God once again reminds him of the original promise to give him and Sarah a son. And God reminds him of the covenant. Genesis 17, 9. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. Right here, we get our job assignment, don't we? Your responsibility is to obey. Obedience, 
That's what we got to do. Earlier this week, uh, Sarah, my wife, and I, we bought a shelf unit for our garage. And like most things, it came with a set of assembly instructions. Now, the manufacturer gives us a promise or a guarantee that this product will do exactly what it's supposed to do. It's going to hold up. This shelf can hold up to 1,000 pounds on each shelf. But if we throw away those instructions and put it together our own way, that guarantee goes right out the window. And so we've got to follow the guidelines, right? God is always faithful to do what He says He'll do. He's got the outcomes. We've got the input. It's obedience. And so once Abraham and Sarah step into obedience, they step into His promise. Genesis 21, 1 and 2. The Lord kept His word and did for Sarah exactly what He had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the right time that God said it would. Trust the process. Now, many times that process comes with a test. I mean, just put yourself in Abraham's shoes for a moment, right? He had waited his entire life for his son Isaac, nearly a hundred years, and then finally it happens. God's promise comes to pass. And he and Sarah have their miracle baby. Abraham loved his son, but it became an unhealthy love because his love for Isaac was overshadowing his love for God. It was an unhealthy obsession. So God tested Abraham's faith by asking him to sacrifice his son. Now, this seems pretty outlandish to us, but you have to see the bigger picture here. Remember, the entire Bible is about Jesus, the Old Testament points to Jesus, the Gospels reveal Christ, and the rest of the New Testament testifies to Jesus. God asking Abraham to give up his one and only son gives us a glimpse of the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus would one day fulfill on the cross. See, Jesus was the lamb, the innocent son, the true Isaac. Yes, Abraham's faith was being tested, but because Abraham knew God's character, You can actually see that Abraham never thought that God would actually let Isaac die. Genesis 22, 5. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. See, Abraham's language right here tells us that he knew that God would either provide another sacrifice or that if God would have him sacrifice his son, Abraham trusted God would resurrect him. Abraham's faith was tested all the way up into the point where he raised his knife, ready to kill and sacrifice his son. Then God steps in and says, no, you don't have to do that. And he provides a ram. And this is the moment where one of the most epic names for God comes about. Yahweh Yireh, or Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Whenever we go through trials and testing, we have to trust in God as our provider. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He will provide whatever you need. That's the outcome that's in his hands. We've just got to trust his process and trust in the test. And lastly today, maybe the most hard, trust his timing. Psalm 25 verse 3, no one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. Now, some other translations here trade the word trust for wait. No one who waits on the Lord will be put to shame. Maybe today you're in a waiting season. Remember, to develop faith in us, God puts us in a situation that demands faith. And to build trust and patience 
he often has us in a holding pattern. Waiting is trusting. Now, this doesn't mean that you just sit idly by on your hands, waiting for God to do all the work. Remember, pray like it depends on you, or pray like it depends on God, work like it depends on you, right? About a decade ago, I had this dream to author a book, but I had no idea where to begin. See, I was passionate and still am passionate about leading worship and teaching others the things that I've learned through the years. So a decade ago, I started doing what I knew how to do, blogging. And little by little, I would release blogs and ideas and thoughts, and I got feedback and comments. And sure enough, eventually there came an opportunity to publish a book. Here's the deal. By that point, I had already blogged 10,000 words. So I began putting all those blogs together, and sure enough, my book, Soundcheck, came together. God was putting the right people into my path, and He was lining things up for the right timing. Now, it took several years, but I had been working in my waiting so that when that door was finally opened, I was ready to step through. You see, I couldn't make a deal happen. I don't know how to get a book agent, but I could be obedient to that calling. And earlier this year, I finished my second book manuscript. It should be coming out either next year or the following year. Patience isn't passive. Trust in his timing. Holocaust survivor Corey Ten Boom tells the story of when she was a young girl and her dad told her to trust in God's timing. She says, Father sat down on the edge of the narrow bed. Corey, he began gently. When you and I go to Amsterdam, when do I give you your train ticket? I sniffed a few times, she wrote, considering this. Why, Daddy, just before we get onto the train. Exactly. And our wise Father in heaven knows when we're going to need things. Don't run out ahead of him. God is omniscient. He knows everything there is to know. That's a reason to trust. God is omnipotent, meaning he's all powerful. There is nothing he cannot do. That's another reason to trust. And guess what? He's omnipresent. He is always with us. He cares about you. Yet another reason to trust. We can trust that whatever we need, whenever we need it, God will come through. You know, the Bible, the Word of God, it's composed of 66 books written over a period of 1,600 years by at least 40 different authors. It's not only a manual for life, but the Bible is a history book as well. You see, it's a track record of God's faithfulness, where the people of God had to trust the Word of God They trusted in his process, they trusted in his timing, and they endured much testing. Remember, there was 120 years between Noah's call to build an ark and when the flood actually happened. Moses spent 40 years on the backside of a desert before he ever stepped into Egypt to deliver the people. And then he spent another 40 years in the wilderness before getting to see the promised land. Joseph had 13 years of process and testing before he became second in command of Egypt and his dream was fulfilled. David spent 10 years between being anointed as king and being appointed as king. Esther, she had to trust that God would save her nation. Ruth had to trust that God would give her a new family. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to trust in God when they stepped into a fiery furnace, and Daniel, he had to trust in the midst of a lion's den. And then Jesus, the Son of God, had to trust his Father to accomplish his will through the cross and resurrection. Trust is everything. 
Here's the deal. Without trust, without faith, following Jesus is impossible. It's actually impossible to please God, Hebrews 11:6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Trust in Jesus, one day at a time, one step at a time. Let's trust him with the outcomes and let's take ownership of the inputs. Spend more time with him and you're gonna know him more. And the more you know him, the more you'll trust him. Let me ask you, what is one area of your life that you can begin to trust God more? What is one step you can take that will grow your trust? Warning, it takes surrender. Are you frustrated that something isn't working out on your timetable? Let me say, can you trust God's timing, knowing that he'll never leave you or forsake you? Or maybe today God is calling you to take a bold step that requires a lot of faith. You know, in life, we love to do things that come with a 10-step plan. Why? Because we like to see all 10 steps before we take our first one. But what I've learned is that God will usually show us one step at a time. After we take that first step, He shows us step two. After step two, He shows us three and so on. Lord, help us to trust You more. I love the honesty of the Roman centurion who was just honest with Jesus in the New Testament. He said, Lord, I believe, yes, but help me in my unbelief. Can we pray that God will help us trust more? Nahum 1 verse 7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of distress. He cares for those who trust in Him. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.